Hey, this is Carmine of Peace, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Keep rocking. Hey, Metalhead, Scott here, and along with uh, working on his Scottish accent, it's... I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the second. I have a Tracy G asked me on my Scottish a couple of weeks ago, and now Caramine just asked me on my Scottish, too. There you go. But he so. didn't say it was English, though. So again, uh, obviously you're listening to uh, that, which is called Focus on Metal. As you can hear, uh, Richie's back in the studio this week, and uh, ever so briefly... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm only living around the corner. I can sneak out every now and again. Yeah. But uh, anyways, good show for you this week. Uh, we've got, uh, we actually got uh, Carmine Apathy back on and talking about his new book, uh, Stick It. If you haven't gotten that one already, I, I urge you to get that one. Great book. It is great. Yeah. Great stories. Like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. He covers them all. Yeah. And then some. <laughs> A lot of sex. <laughs> Yeah, not so much the drugs, but yeah. Yeah, I think everyone else had the drugs and he watched. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great. We had a great talk with Carmine. He's always uh, like just funny as hell to, to have on. Uh, good shit. And also this week, uh, we we're also talking with uh, Asriel's Bane. Uh, this is a band. I actually did this interview with this band back in February. That's how backed up that as I did this whole glut of interviews and then other things come in and stuff. But uh it's Fe- and, February this year? Yeah, yeah February <laughs> this year. Um, and actually, I had the whole band on. So great interview with the whole band. We had a great time. Again, good stuff. So this week, yeah, Carmine, Asriel's Bane, and um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and now when we, when we finish this piece, we'll probably look and see how much audio we've left. Yeah, no, I still I still have a lot. But uh, anyways, just, you know, hey, before we head into, into Carmine, just, you know, last week, uh, I had the episode all all mixed, mastered, sent out, and everything. And then uh, I wake up Sunday morning to the text from Richie that uh, that Mick Menza passed away. So that's why we didn't mention it last week, is I already had everything mixed and sent out. And uh, but uh, just devastating news for all of us here. Yeah, well, it's how young he was. Well, yeah, I mean that's it. I mean, from he's the same age as me. Yeah, he was <laughs> 50, 51, 51 yeah. years old. And um, you look at guys like, you know, Carmine's nearly 70. Yeah. You know, Ginger Baker is another drummer is nearly 80. Right. And, you know, uh, Carmine talks at the end of the, of the interview, he talks about Louis Belson. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of, you know, reminded me because also when I talked to Nick, I mean, Nick got his first drum kit from Louis Belson. So it just kind of, it's just like a weird small world that tied back to it. But just the fact that, you know, he's, he's out there, he's, you know, playing and, uh, you know, Everyone thinks he's fine, and like three songs in, and the dude's gone. It's On stage, like, yeah, yeah, just, um, just kind of very sad. And, uh, that definitely uh, then once once and for all puts the nail in the coffin for uh, the classic or the the probably the biggest known lineup. The, the of Rust Megadeth. and Peace lineup. Yeah. I don't think that was ever going to happen you know? anyway. But um, yeah, it was a shock. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's been a lot of deaths. Uh, this year and it's yeah. not only a metal in music it's a music yeah and um you know prince was what 57 58 57, yeah um now you know nick menza's gone 51 
And uh, I never got to talk to him. You had him on twice, and yeah. I never actually got down to do the interviews with him. Now, it was funny, t- too, because, you know, we had him on the first time, and that was for a, a normal press push that he was doing. And then, um, and this is also, we were actually the first time when he announced he was doing his book. I was just going to ask you that about that, that. Did that, anything ever uh, happen so with that? He's actually working with a dude, or was working from a dude from Cape Cod. Okay. Who was doing it. So I guess it's done. So it's, it's, uh, I guess they'll probably add some little extra chapter to it now, but uh, yeah, but uh, that was, you know, again, kind of eerie because, you know, he announced that on this show. And then the second time I had him back on was, uh, we was a request from, from him uh, because he had been taking a, a lot of getting pot shots left and right. And, and he really wasn't getting to say what he wanted to say. And he wanted a a safe haven to talk about it. He knew we were friends and Hey, can I come on? And it's like, you know, and that was like, that was the, the night you were like, you were staying up until when <laughs> to talk to Nick. Oh, that's Mensa. right. It was like 1130. It was, yeah. It was late, but it was like, Oh, all right, Nick. No, I'm committed to you. No, well, I, I sent you a text down to you're on your own. <laughs> I think like my, I think my, was my daughter even born then? Anyway, yeah. there was no way I was coming down. Yeah, and it was, you know, it was, it was, again, it was, it was cool that he thought of us when he was like, you know, I really need to have my say. And he got in touch with us and said, can I come on? And of course, of course we're going to have, I mean, that's part of, you know, we've had, we've talked to other people and then people that they've talked about in the interviews have contacted and said, Hey, um, I'd like to come on and <laughs> refute a little bit of that. You know, we hmm. had that with, with a couple of people, but, uh, Hey, it's, you know, it's, this is fear and balanced here. And if someone, you know, we always like it if someone call, you know, calls us up and emails us and says, Hey, what do you think? Can I come on? And, uh, yeah, always. You know, yeah, we'll have, you know, we don't have a problem bringing anyone on if they want to refute anything. Yeah. But, um, have you, did you ever seen Mensa play with Megadeth? I'm trying to think. I saw him twice. I saw him on the Rust in Peace tour. Yeah. When, uh, it was the first gig in Ireland after Ireland, Mustaine yeah. had the thing in Belfast. Uh-huh. So it was Megadeth, the Almighty, and Alison Chains, <laughs> who, just, who had just brought out Facelift. Yeah. And no one knew who they were and then I saw them on the Countdown tour yeah. with Pantera opening who had just released Vulgar uh-huh. and they blew them away yeah. blew Megadeth away now Megadeth were you know Megadeth were clinical and I think that was a problem like mm. they were Pantera were so in your face and aggressive right and it's funny now but like now Menza's dead and Dimebag's dead uh-huh. like two of the people that were on that bill are, are, are no longer with us now yeah. you know and you know, there's like eight guys in the band, in the two bands, and two of them are dead now. Yeah, He's, yeah. You know, it's just been one of those years. I think it's. Uh, but yeah, it, not yeah. to get a thing too. You know, you got, you know, he was, you know, was playing in home, playing with Chris Poland. Chris is probably going bloody hell. Another drummer, really? <laughs> oh yeah, Gar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, I honestly believe um, Mustaine's comment was genuine. I think he was devastated. I think a lot of people, you know, they view Mustaine as he's a very polarizing figure. He's very opinionated, but I don't think he's that callous. Yeah. Um, You know, there's a human element to all these bands, you know, like when they say they're like a marriage and, Uh and, you know, there's the business end, which is one thing. And then there's a human element, which is the personality wise, which is the other thing. Like, I think he was genuinely distraught over it. Yeah. Um, I'd say... Ellison was the same. I'd say anyone who played with him, like I'm sure Marty Friedman as well. Like, dude, like, oh yeah, and 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 you know, Junior. Yeah, I believe whatever Junior said about it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's 
Like it mightn't work out. It, it mightn't work out with him. Yeah. When they tried to bring him back a couple of times, and there might be the business element that was, you know, yeah. Mustaine didn't go along with with Nick and money and all that yeah. shit. But like stuff like that happens. Like Mustaine is what Mustaine's a couple of years older than him. Yeah. I think when someone dies when you're like in your fifties, it's like holy shit. Like first <laughs> thing you think of is fuck, he's dead, and then the second thing you think of is fucking hell, I'm his age. Yeah. You know, it's just a natural it's a sure natural is. thing like, you think like oh yeah all these musicians are dying like you know Lemmy is like Lemmy yeah. was nearly 70 right. and all that and I'm 45 and thinking yeah. ah yeah I'm okay you know uh-huh. and then I'm thinking fucking hell if someone was going out I was a little bit younger than me I'd be like fucking hell yeah you know but yeah. that's just the, the natural way you you think of these things yeah. you know um, yeah but I like I'm sure Mustaine was like fucking devastated yeah you know I'm sure they all were you know, management and, and everyone, like just because the guy leaves the band, like he what he did the biggest albums with the band by far. He drummed on all of them. Yep. And uh, just because he left the band, like did he leave on bad, bad terms, though? I don't think they were bad terms in the, in the end. Well, like he left it fell apart. It fell apart. Yeah. But there was was there a lot of finger pointing when it happened? Oh, yeah. There was. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Because I know uh, there wasn't that much when Marty left, but that was after Risk. And, uh, just all going down that, that wrong road. and, and I mean, Just ran its the, course. All the horrible recording conditions they were going under with, you know. Well, you're dealing with the 90s metal scene, too. It wasn't exactly uh, conducive to Megadeth. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know. They really just started to go out there with choice of producers and songwriting. And, I mean, you... I mean, they're good albums, but they're like different in the whole canon of Megadeth albums. You know what I mean? They're I think just, they started to chase it rather than yeah, exactly. They, yeah, they used to be forefront forerunners in, right. in in it, and then they chased it. I think a little bit with Euthanasia, and uh-huh. then they definitely chased it with Risk. Now I know Nick wasn't on it, but yeah. Cryptic Writings was a little bit more trashy. Uh-huh. But there was they definitely did try and get the hit singles. Yeah. Like almost honest and and um, used a man and you know on cryptic writings they were pretty, right. a trust yeah was pretty commercial yeah or sound like breadline well that's a risk as well <laughs> I like that album you know yeah. but but even I mean even the reissues in that period there were snide comments about Nick made in the liner notes yeah didn't he have um they put a bonus track on uh, I think it was Rust in Peace. That Nick wrote the lyrics to, and I think it was a little bit of a snide comment about it as well. That about he wanted to be paid for for it or something on the reissue, or I was like, ah, come on, yeah, you know, really, yeah. So there's still that's why I'm just waiting to see whether or not eventually a snarky comment comes out or not. I hope not. No, you I know, just, I hope not. Uh, uh, Dave's been through a lot. He's kind of a different guy for the think, most part. As much, I mean, you wouldn't want Dave to be totally different. That would just totally suck. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, that's what lets him write still write angry songs that. Hatfield can't. Yeah. <laughs> but when when you look at Menz's career other outside of Megadeth, I really don't know anything yeah. that he did. Uh, do you? Well, he was doing OM. He did, you know, little projects. and you Yeah, know, but like re- recorded works. Like, do you have anything here with him on it outside of Megadeth? Nope. <laughs> Me neither. I wouldn't even know where to start. I'll yeah. be genuine. I'll be honest. Like, did he take a break from the music industry for a while? Uh, I think he did. Yeah, he, did the old he was injured, wasn't he? Didn't he have, didn't he have and surgeries and he had in, he had injuries? Oh, I don't know. I remember. I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm nearly sure he had a he had physical problems for a while to do with his playing. But yeah, you, that's 
The problem now is you wake up now and the next thing your phone goes off and someone yeah. else is dead. Uh-huh. So it'll be someone else now in the next couple of weeks. And I hope not. Well, we all hope not, but you, you <laughs> never know. You know, that's the, like the, the era of music that we love is ending. Yeah. So this is the natural end of it. I know. Is that the, these guys just... You know what the sign of the apocalypse was? Is Axl Rose singing for ACDC. That's <laughs> the sign of the apocalypse right there. Oh, God. <laughs> How long have you got now? <laughs> Hell, it didn't just freeze over. It's a good... It's, it's like permafrost. Yeah, no, we don't even need to go into that. Right, but I'll, just, I'll, just admit, I'll just say one thing on that. He sounds okay doing it. The band sound good. And everything else is fucking wrong with it. <laughs> There you go. There you go. All right. Well put. All right. So uh, with that, you know, we're going to just skip over track of the week this week. We're just going to roll right into our talk with uh, with Carmine. I am here. All right. I got my co-host Scott here again. Hey, Carmine. How are we doing, man? Scott, how are you doing, man? So where are you? Are you Scottish? Oh, no. No, I'm I'm Irish. Irish. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, no. It's okay. Actually... Tracy G, the uh, guitar player, two weeks ago said, asked me the same thing. Was I Scottish or Irish? Yeah, because you, you, you can definitely hear it straight away. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so, awesome, cool. man. So, what's up, man? How are we doing? We're doing Where good. are you? Doing great. We're in uh, Lowell, Massachusetts, about 30 miles north of Boston. I know Lowell, Massachusetts, the Concord Ballroom. Oh, well, that's going back a bit. (laughs) Just a little metal editor's note here. The venue that Carmine is referring to is actually called the Commodore Ballroom. Huge venue here in Lowell. It was actually built way back in the big band era, worked all its way through all the musical eras. And by my time, it was called Mr. C's Rock Palace. All right. Yeah, we used to play there all the time with Vanilla Fudge. Yep. Yeah, uh, that was a good place. It, yeah, I mean that place was huge, man. At one point, that was like the the big mystique, and then uh, and now it's yeah, uh, a parking was. garage for a train station. So uh, it's a, a sad day that really? that's no, no longer on no the hill. Kidding. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's too I, bad. I remember wow. playing the playing up there too as well, and it's always the thing was always being careful going out the back and not falling down the hill. Yeah, I don't remember this. Yeah, you know, I just remember the name, and, and I know we played there a lot. I remember the description you know of it yeah how it looks i I don't remember that but it was uh somewhere we played a lot yeah yeah no i I wouldn't doubt it that was yeah back in the day that was absolutely a huge huge venue and uh yeah i I really miss that it's not there anymore oh too bad yeah Yeah. okay of course you know what isn't too bad is the great book you put out now last time we talked to you uh we talked a lot about drum wars you you tease us about the book and uh and and I was like, oh man, we ever are we ever going to see this like in the next few years? Knowing how crazy busy you were, and I see the announcement. You know, as soon as I, as soon as you announced it was available, I bought it immediately. And uh, I got to tell you, Carmine, oh. you delivered everything you said this book was going to be. You delivered a hundred percent, man. Oh, great, thank you. I don't know what I told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, like you've been talking about doing a Carmine for a couple of years, and. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I never thought the thing had come out. It must it must be a story in itself. Actually, getting the thing published. Oh, forget about it. I started in 1982. <laughs> I did. I started telling stories on a cassette player. I was on tour with Ted Nugent. I did a dozen 90 minute cassettes, and then my uh, I gave it to my manager to he was going to have them all typed out in manuscripts. He, he ended up losing eight of them somehow. I'll never forget that. I said, how do you lose eight of the tapes? How long it took me to do those? 
And then when he, uh, he took the four and had manuscripts printed out, it went up to about maybe beginning of mid, mid, mid of the B, BBA days. Mm. And, uh, you know, it was 125 pages. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I used that as a basis. And then over the years, you know, in the 80s, we were going to put it, try and get a deal, and we didn't. It wasn't, the timing wasn't right. In the 90s, the timing really wasn't right because all, we were all dinosaurs in the 90s. Yeah. You know? And uh, people like Tony Curtis were putting out their life stories, and yeah, I was too young. You know? And then, uh, it must have been 2004 or five. I started thinking about it. somebody else mentioned maybe you should get a book out, and then everybody started putting out books, you know, Tommy Lee and this one and that one. I said, yeah, maybe I should write my books. So I started typing things out, and I bought different different uh, writers in that. For one of my writer friends was Stephen Rosen. He just sent mm-hmm. me a letter saying he read the book, and he thought it was awesome. And mm-hmm. he, he rewrote one of my chapters. I don't remember which one. might have been the Hendrix one. Okay. But, you know, they never really made it to the book. You know, and then after that, I hired another guy to put a synopsis together and then figure out how many chapters you should be and write a little synopsis of each chapter. And then we were going to go get a book deal with an agent. And then the country took a dump on finances in 2008. I told the guy, don't even bother because book guys are getting fired. Record people are getting fired. The country's a mess. So we didn't do it. And then I figured maybe I'll self-publish it in 2010 found myself with another guy. And then finally in 2011, I went up to VH1 radio uh, interviewing. I said, man, your stories are great. You got to write a book. I said, I got a book. <laughs> said, well, let's set up a meeting with VH1 books. I set up a meeting and they loved my ideas. They loved me as a character, but they didn't like the writing. They said, it reads like an interview. And then you know, we got this guy that wrote the heroin diaries for Nikki Six which is a big book for them. We'd like to see if he's interested. So he, he was interested and then we hooked up with him and, you know, we got, uh, working on it 13 months later. We had the book finished at that point. The whole, uh, VH1 books went out of business. <laughs> and then we said, Oh, I don't believe it. Now we got to get another book deal. <laughs> but, but my writer, my co-writer, he uh, had, a connection in England, so I got a deal on Omnibus Press in the UK, and then we asked them who they deal with in America, and they came up with two names, and one of the names is the company I went with, and they're doing a really good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind of a trip. I figure you started that in 1982. That's like that's the year I graduated high school. So I'm like, holy right? crap! It's like, boy, that puts it in perspective for me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Carmen, I want to. You know, and my, and my writer took a lot of the fat off it, you know? Wow. But it's a lot more details to some of these stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they are great. Yeah, I want to ask you, Carmine, the relationship you have with Ian, um, did you do a lot of face-to-face interaction? Was a lot of it done over Skype or, or phone? No, we did We did quite a bit. So I first met him in London, and then uh, that's when I first met him, and we, he decided he'll, he'll go along with it. And then uh, after that, I, I played in Spain with a, a Spanish guitar player. Mm-hmm. And I was in Spain for a while, for a couple of two or three weeks. And we were in Madrid rehearsing. So he came to Madrid, stayed in the hotel, same hotel. And every day that I was there, we got together for two or three hours. And he asked me all these questions. I mean, he totally rewrote the book from scratch. You know? Yeah. And uh, then after that, he came to New York and stayed with us in New York where we lived. 
And then I took him around to all the places in Brooklyn where I grew up, all the places that I knew he'd have you know, described. And uh, so he spent like three or four days in New York doing interviews. And, and while we were in the car, he was doing interviews while I took him around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then we did some Skype stuff. And then we did some uh, telephone calls, you know, and some email stuff. Okay. But uh, it took a while, 13 months. And how much of it, much did the lawyers take out of it? Well, I have no lawyers involved, actually. Okay. Nice. Thank God. Nice. Know, I, didn't have to, I didn't have to have lawyers. Okay. But the good thing is, you know, this new book deal wasn't a big advance. The other, the other one was a bigger advance, so I don't have to pay the other one back. Okay. Because oh, nice. nice. they went out of business. So I don't really have to uh, you know, pay a lot, so... Yeah. Yeah. So far, so good. I mean, people, everyone's loving it. The people saying they can't put it down, and they're very excited about it, and uh, I'm happy about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I literally, no bullshit. I read it in one day, like a Sunday afternoon, wow. Sunday night. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. It was great, and uh, yeah. you know, knowing, yeah. knowing a lot of your history and stuff, but then also getting a lot of detail about stories that uh, you know, you yeah. only got bits and pieces of it and how you fleshed them out. Right. It's like, wow, that's the whole story and stuff. And again, literally, yeah. I could not put it down. Yeah, oh, great. That's, uh, that's what I like to hear because, you know, uh, unlike major labels, my, my writer told me that when he got it, he thought it was a little thin. He said, but it has the same amount of words as uh, he just wrote a book for Brian Ferry, which was thicker. Hmm. So it's the same amount of words. But... The independent uh, book companies, unlike the majors, they have different spacing. Yeah. So with the different spacing, it adds another like 30, 40 pages. Now, Carmine, you could have started anywhere in your career for the first chapter, but why did you choose uh, the Aussie Sharon era as the first well, chapter? Well, my, my writer thought, my co-writer thought it would be a good place to start because we, we said... When you, know, when you read the first chapter of a book, you want to get the, the audience on your side, you know? Yeah. So me uh, being the good guy on that tour and, and teaching kids and giving money to charities and everything and doing nothing but the right thing and then getting shot and then getting fired by Sharon mm-hmm. for no reason, you know, puts me in a vulnerable position you yeah. know, with, my, with my fans. And he said, I think people are going to feel for you when you... When you do that, so we, if we do that first, I think that would be a good chapter to do it, and then start from the beginning. Hmm. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great choice. The only other better choice would be that you'd have a uh, an, another chapter that for the first chapter's got first, it's just got four words: never trust Jeff Beck. Then you go to the Aussie story, and then you go to the rest of the book. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I know. And Rod's intro was funny as hell. It yeah. was a great. It was a great intro. And it, what's cool is you yeah. know you get someone yeah. like Rod too that you know how his voice sounds and stuff. So you're reading it, and it's almost yeah. like you yeah. hear his voice in in, in his in his in, you know, exactly. in your head. Just like when I'm reading it, I'm hearing your voice yeah. in my head. So it's really cool to to do that. Yeah, I mean my favorite part of Rod's thing is that yeah, uh, I fired him. God knows why, and you know because he was drugged out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know what the hell he's doing. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure Carmine. As you're doing all the interviews, a lot of people are picking up on the salacious stories you had in the in the seventies. And like, I'm reading the book and I'm thinking, did you guys ever watch TVs rather than throw them out of hotel windows? And no, we no, we I did not watch TVs, and I never listened to like pop radio in the seventies either. Okay, my, like my my girlfriend would be hearing a radio. Yeah, you know, I hit 
song on the radio. I said, when did this come out? I never heard this before. Because this was a huge song. You know, I must have been in Australia or, or in England or somewhere, you know, but not, not here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, uh, I never watched some of the TV shows. I heard about them. <laughs> I never watched them. Yeah, you didn't you know? miss much. Yeah. <laughs> what, were you, what, was yeah. It, what was it, Carmine, a lot of it? Were you, were you just bored on the road and you just got away with all this stuff? Like, I'm sure you look back yeah, on it well, now. And, well, we thought we got away with it. <laughs> that's the difference. We thought we did. We didn't know we actually paid for it. That's why at the end of the three bands, I said, where did all the freaking money go? I said, well, you guys destroyed a lot of hotels. That's a lot where it went. I said, wow, I, I thought we got away with it. You know? <laughs> yeah, cause but uh, it was out of boredom. You know, you finish doing a show, you come back to, you know, you're in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and, and you, you know, you're like all this energy going. If you don't have a groupie to take it out on, you start doing weird stuff. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure now there's... TVs out the window was one of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's people now that look on those stories with, you know, the way today everything's politically correct and you, you can't kind of look at oh, it that yeah. way. It was a different era that's completely. Why, that's why at the end of the book, uh, you know, we explain all that. Yeah, know? yeah. Same thing with the Mudshot story. I mean, the Mudshot story was, was graphic as hell, but we, we tried to keep it down. Mm. It was so It was so gross, you know, but you really needed to be told properly because... Every story I ever read about it wasn't right. Mm, yeah, I was there. Yeah, you know? yeah, that was definitely one thing that that was there. That was uh, you always get that little condensed version of it, and you never. And I was yeah. like, and, and when when people were asking about, it, I said, well, I got to tell you, you know, you hear about the mud shark story, but Carmine actually gives you what happened before and what happened. And like now, yeah. you get like the whole story. It's like finally I after how many story. years? I mean, you know, I'm unbelievable. I mean, yeah, I was holding that story in, you know. Years, yeah, and I read other stories, and I go, you know, I don't know if they did it on purpose, but I wanted the book. So when you read the book, you got to really feel what it was like in those days, yeah, because everything was different, right. as you said, and nothing was politically correct in then in those days. I mean, women were just coming out of uh, being sexually bonded, you know, mm. when they weren't allowed to do nothing. Mm. Yeah, birth control pills were being born. So they were free to do whatever they wanted, and they were as wild as the men, mm. you know. And and you know, in those days, there was no heavy duty diseases, there was no herpes, there was no HIV, no AIDS. Yeah. You know, you just uh, a shot would clear up everything. So everybody was just having a good old time. You know? And the, and the groupie syndrome was born. It was a different relationship of what that groupies have, or women have with musicians now. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, and everything was different, you know, I mean, stuff that we did back then now is looked upon illegal and you get arrested for. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, just that thing we did in Coney Island when I was a kid that I was, you know, I almost got involved in. I mean, you know, there was no police involved in that. It was just, you know, let's bring the other gang there and kick, kick our ass. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Today, today, sometimes like that, you'd be arrested. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Carmen, I want to ask you a question about the, the 80s, just a general question. As a serious like musician, did you hate the fact that it seemed to be image over musicianship as you went through the 80s? Oh, totally, totally. By the end of the 80s, I was so sick of it. I, I thank God that I joined Blue Murder. Because hmm. uh, it had a good image, and man, could those guys play.
all three of us played like motherfuckers, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. We were just like killer players. Oh, yeah. But, man, but the groups around us, come on, give me a break. <laughs> I wouldn't even stop men. I wouldn't even stop mentioning names, but they were awful. Yeah. They couldn't sing. They couldn't play. The beginning of the 80s wasn't bad. You know, it was with Rod and with Ted Nugent and with Ozzy. Yeah. And then when I started King Cobra, I made sure that my guys had the image and that they can play. Because if they couldn't play, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take them. Yeah. I mean, I auditioned so many people for that band. You know, this was like my baby. I wanted to do everything right. And I got a singer who could sing his ass off. I got two great guitar players, a killer bass player that was really amazing on stage. You know, and we created this really crazy look. And the, the women loved the band and the men loved the band. The only problem we had with that band was Capitol Records didn't do their job. Yep. Yeah, the, the, then, sec the second album. Yeah, that was Capitol Records. Yeah. I, I remember putting that so, on, Carmine, and I loved the first one, and I put the second one on, and I was yeah. like, is this the same band? Exactly. They told us, look, if, if you have to give us some sing singles, or we have to... Uh, we're not going to put, you're not going to let you do the second album and we'll just hold the contract so you can't do anything. Yeah. So we had no choice. Yeah. You know, we had no freaking choice. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's funny because when I was doing that album, I was asked to join Whitesnake at that point, you know, and do that, that big giant album and right. I couldn't do it. You know, you talk yeah. about something like Blue Murder and definitely, I mean, you know, nowadays, oh, you know, anyone posts a song by those band. guys, the reaction that that gets, I mean, that shows that that band still like is considered to be an amazing band. Dude, I, I've, I've been trying to get John Sykes to go out and, and tour. Me and Tony played with Sykes twice this year. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we, and, talk, we talked to Tony about yeah, that. Once Tony was like, year, we can't get him out of the house. <laughs> we can't get him out of the fucking house. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when Mike Portnoy came up to me when they were putting together winery dogs, he was supposed to be in it. I said, come on, how do you get Sykes out of the house? That was in 2012 or 13. I said, dude, I've been trying to get him out since 2000. When the record business was still big, mm. we were getting giant offers to go to Japan and stuff. I just couldn't get him out of the house. Yeah. Dude. And then when he quit Thin Lizzy, I thought he was going to do Blue Murder. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then he quit Thin Lizzy. And meanwhile, our keyboard player died. Right. That was in the band. He passed away. He was John's best friend. And you would think that would open his eyes and say, you know what? Life is short. Let's let's do this already. Still can't do it. Still can't get him out. So, so me and Tony are like, well, if he ever wants to do it, he'll call us, and we'll hopefully be far enough in advance where we can actually do it. Because right. I'm having fun myself. I'm playing with all my different bands, and you know, I'm I'm going to Sweden Rock Festival this next week, playing with the Vanilla Fudge on the ninth and King Cobra on the eleventh nice. of June. You know, and we're rehearsing all next week. And I'm rehearsing next week. Yeah. Yeah, I just love playing all different kinds of music. You know, yeah. we're doing drum wars tomorrow here in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, do you have a lot do, of fun? Yeah, do you got Paul Shortino singing with King Cobra with you? Yeah. Paul oh, great. Singing. Excellent. And uh, that, that those two albums we did, I wish we would have done those in the 80s. Oh, they're brilliant. Excellent albums, Carmen. Those albums are excellent albums. Yeah. I love those albums. Mm. So, we're going to mix up, you know, five or six songs of the old stuff and. You know, five or six songs of the new stuff, you know? Yeah. And we're going to do, we're going to do this great tribute to Ronnie. You know, oh, cool. Ronnie Dio. Mm -hmm. we, when I was playing, Paul sang with me in that band that was in Spain. Mm. And he used to do, just sing Heaven and Hell, acapella by himself. And then all of a sudden the whole audience joined in. 
right? Hmm. And it was magic. So we're going to do that. But also, we have a song called Monsters and Heroes. Hmm. It's not on any of the albums. Uh, we did it as a, a tribute to Ronnie. All the lyrics are about, you know, like, Ronnie, sing a song, singer, you're a man on the mountain who wrote the songs we all love. You know, take us all, take our souls higher, you know, and then the, the thing goes, monsters and heroes, uh, wizards and rainbows in the dark, monsters and heroes, search for the sacred heart, you know? So all the lyrics are about Ronnie, you know? And so we're going to do that heaven and hell thing, then go into the song. Paul's going to explain it, and we're going to get everybody singing monsters and heroes. You know, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. We're recording live at Sweden Rock, too. Ooh, wow. Nice. Is that going to be yeah. maybe like a uh, like a video coming out from that? Well, it's going to be a live a live CD okay. coming out for us. And we're going to have a video, of a live CD and a video of Vanilla Fudge that we're going to put as a 50th anniversary next year oh, package. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm looking forward to playing with King Cobra, though, because it's... You know, with Paul singing, Paul's a great front man, great voice. Oh, yeah. And uh, I can't wait. We're going to start rehearsing on Wednesday. Did you end up, Carmine, doing any of those shows in Europe with Rated X at all? Never. Oh, it never happened? Nothing. Oh, all right. Never happened. Okay. You know, it was a problem with the management. You know, Joe didn't want the management. We had a great manager and a great agent that actually booked us a tour of 13 shows before the record came out. But, uh, you know, I guess Joe didn't want to do it. There wasn't enough money. And uh, he wanted to get rid of the agent and the manager and do it himself. Mm. And when he did that, there was no shows. There was no shows happening. He had one show. You know? So, it's a shame because... Uh, yeah, that out. Look, the band was doomed from the beginning. You know? Yeah. When we decided... Originally, it was just one of these projects that Frontiers wanted to do. And, but then we just 
you know, me, Joe, and Tony thought, wow, the right guitar player, we can make this like a really cool band and make a big project out of it. Instead of being just a project, make it like a main band, you know? Right. And, uh, and we, and we did it. And, uh, you know, and then we, 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 you know, Bruce wouldn't commit to being, doing a band, Bruce Kulik. So then we got somebody else. We got Jeff Watson and Jeff Watson didn't work out. And then we, you know, now we're waiting, you know, just for the guitar parts to finish the record, mm. you know, and uh, it didn't work out. So then we got this guy called Cochran to play. And six songs into it, we went and did a, the video with two songs. And six songs into it, Carl has a freaking stroke. You know, yeah. I can't play, still can't play. Wow. You know, and then we had uh, four more tracks, or, or I forgot, six more tracks to finish. So we got different guys to finish it. So we didn't even have a, a completed band by the time the record came out. But luckily, we had the videos, you know? Yeah. So it's sort of doomed from the beginning. There's so many. And technical difficulties in recording it. I mean, it was just so difficult. I, I can't believe that we actually stuck to it. And then when we wanted to mix it, I wanted Pat Regan to mix it. And Frontiers wouldn't pay for it, so me and Joe paid for it. You know, if it boiled down to it, I probably made ten cents an hour. <laughs> that album. Okay, I put so much time into it and effort. Yeah, it's a, Joe. it's a great album. Uh, it's a great album. Yeah, uh, it's really sad that we could never get it off the ground. Yeah. You know? you know, one other thing I thought was pretty cool that you put in the book is that, uh, is that towards the end that you actually let Leslie weigh in on, on the situation. Yeah. And, and, and also the fact that you, you did all those as like a, a gray shaded page as well that differentiated it. And I've never seen anyone do something yeah. like that, but I thought that was a really cool move on your part. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't really know who, it wasn't my idea to do the great, hmm. you know, uh, I just looked at the, 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 the hard cover of the Heron Diaries. Yeah. Man, talk about artwork for a book. That was incredible artwork going yeah. through the book. You know? But uh, that idea was, I guess it was the book company's idea. Or maybe it was Ian's idea. Hmm. You know? But you know, my ideas just went for, like, I was the one that came up with the idea of putting my face logo and, and the little thing and have this drummer dude character be me, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it uh, tells you what's going on with the drummer dude in this chapter. Yeah, it was like a synopsis of each of each chapter was cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely it, it was. It, yeah. yeah, especially if somebody wanted to skip around or whatever, and and uh, not that I did, yeah. I just read it front to back, cover to cover. But uh, yeah, I just uh, right. yeah, the overall presentation, all of it is it was definitely cool. But I I also like the fact that uh, that you know Leslie got to say her piece as well, and that was that was a uh, that was a nice yeah. touch. You know, she won't read the book. <laughs> She don't want to know what happened before us because, you know, she don't want to know all the details and all the crazy shit we did. Well, she did the you spreadsheet. I mean, come that on, was we probably did, enough. She did the spreadsheet. <laughs> and she she rewrote the mud shark at one point. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but I was already with her a bunch of years. She said, I would have read this at the beginning. I would never be with you now. <laughs> yeah. What about your kids, Caroline? Do you think your kids will read it? My son read it, and I won't let my daughter read it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's more on that level, you know, I, I know, uh, you know, some of the sex was left in, you know, and Ian said, you know, that the, old, the, the middle-aged women want to read all about that. And he's right, you know, because a lot of the women I met at the in-stores and stuff, I said, this is extra age. He goes, I know that. That's why I want to buy it. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's like those Jackie Collins books they made, you know, the, you know, all, all the sex things, you know, it's, yeah. Yes, what is this? Seven shades, six shades of something. Yeah, the shades, shades of gray. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. They said, this is like, uh, you know, a few shades of gray for you. I said, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but like, you know, it was just, it was all done in fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't done to be vicious. Uh, and nothing was really done viciously. I mean, even the, even the mud shot thing was so shocking that we all had to leave the room and cracked up laughing because it was so ridiculous, you know, that it was funny, you know? To see a woman getting that thunk and she's loving it, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You know, crazy. Definitely. I, I got to tell you, too, that, you know, as busy as you are with, like, the million things that you do, because, like, I was talking to someone today. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're talking to Carmine tonight. Oh, yeah, what's he up to? And I start listing off everything that you do, and he's just, like, stunned. And I'm like, really? I mean, this is what Carmine's up to, like, on a daily basis. But uh, no one can say that yeah, you I'm haven't gonna... worked so hard promoting the hell out of this book. I mean, constantly on Twitter, uh, I see you doing book signings and radio appearances. And, I mean, other people might have yeah. sat back and figured, oh, it'll sell. But you've actually you've been out there just busting your balls promoting this book. No, this is, you know, I worked so, I waited so long for this book because I have a plan after the book. You know, mm -hmm. I want to. Uh, since I, you become an author, I want to I want to do speaking gigs. You know, yeah, that's my plan. I'm, I'm actually working with a guy that mentors speakers and puts them in the business. And uh, you know, I mean, I know the book. He's actually read the book and he's come out with extract. He's extracting things, messages from the book, like character that. Remember, Rod Stewart said in the in the intro, hmm. he's talking about rock and roll loves characters. Sure, Carmine's one of them. Yep. He's taken that out. He said, character is something you can talk about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So he's gone through the whole book, you know, and he said, you know, this is how we're going to, we're going to structure the, your speaking game. We have an amazing, he said, you got to get a great intro. Then you put all these things, stories in a minute. I said, and when you talk about character, you talk about some stuff from your book that build that shows that you build character mm. and you, you say, yeah, yeah. Explain it to the, whoever you're talking to. Yeah. He used his stories as explanations. I said, wow, I never would have thought of that. Yeah. No, that's, so, that's, I would, I would go to that. I got Carmine speaking gig. Yeah. I Cause I want to, yeah. Yeah. Cause I would, you know, and I'd also have a set of drums there to end the night, you know? Yeah. And then we, uh, and then we'd sell the book and autograph the book. And, uh, and that, that'll be like a really cool way to, uh, do things. You can do corporate speaking. You can do, I can do rock history talks, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, you really know how to spin a story and, and, and just, uh, you know, just the way you talk and everything, it, it's like a very comfortable way of listening to you. You bring people in, but yeah. you're really engaging too. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah. you've been doing this for a while and you've got, I mean, I'm sure you've got, you well, know, you know, the three books too, in you. I did, yeah, I did so many clinics that yeah. I'm very at ease in front of a, a small audience talking. Yeah. Where a lot of people can't do that. Right. You know? But I'm at ease doing that, sure. You know, because I've done so many, and I know where to crack a joke <laughs> to release tension. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Like you know, when I when I'm, when when somebody asks me about my hearing, like at a clinic, I'll go. You know, I have a phrase. It says, uh, now "Wear your condom so you don't get hearing aids." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, you know, you you throw out the right little joke at the right time, it gets people laughing, and, and it makes them relax a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Carmine, how long do you think you can play at a level that you'd be satisfied to to play at? Because, like, you know, will you? Play, I don't will you know. Yeah. Will you get to a stage now where you'll go, look, I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. I'm not even going to try. I don't know. You know. I mean, so far, I try and keep myself healthy. You know, I go to the gym. I go to doctors. I, I, I see what's going on in my body. You know, and uh, 
Uh, I actually have heart disease, but I have no symptoms. Mm. And I've had it since 2007. Mm. But, you know, I go, you have, you have these nuclear stress tests that test your blood flow. Now, I go to cardiologist every six months. He listens to my blood flow. I go to my other doctor every three months, you know, just to make sure everything is moving the way it should be going, you know? Yeah. And believe me, when I'm up there doing a solo and I'm, I'm going for it, and I feel my heart rate's about 130, you know? Mm. I said, man, I, I hope I make it through the solo. <laughs> <laughs> man, well, we hope you do too, because uh, you know I, yeah. I've I've enjoyed listening to you play since the '70s and uh, and just right oh, straight through. You. And I I definitely hope that there's there's a lot more years of great stuff from you. That's for damn sure. Well, you know, I was looking at myself playing back in uh, 1970 with Cactus at the Isle of Wight. I was a total animal. Mm. I said, no wonder I made the name for myself. I mean, I was like the only one that played like that, yeah. you know, back in the day. I looked like Animal from the Muppets, <laughs> you know? I did. I had the beard and the long hair and the drums all around me. The height of my arms was so up. No wonder I had rotator cuff surgeries, you know? I mean, I was viciously attacking the drums, which I still attack the drums, but not like I was when I was 24 years old. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you still got the I power, still, though. You still got the power yeah, in the Yeah, I groove. have the power. I got the power. I, but now it's a different kind of power. Back yeah. then, it was all bodily and arm power. Now I've learned to hit the drum sort of like, like a karate chop where mm. you don't have to lift them so high anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, I've learned to hit them. I've learned, you know, my sticks, every, all my drums are set that way so they sound big and powerful. Right. You know? Yeah. And, awesome. uh yeah, but you know, I, I, I remember Louis Belson. I seen him when he when he was in his eighties and he started getting frail and he couldn't play and I said, Jeez, I wanna I'm not that far you know, I'm not that far off from that. I hope I don't lose my power. Yeah, yeah, no. Well we we definitely don't either, you know. But yeah, uh, I really appreciate uh you taking some time tonight to talk to us. I mean, this is like the third time we've had you on the show. We always love having you on whenever there's a a possibility of having you it's like we we jump at it because again you are you're a great storyteller you you're engaged you always usually uh crack us the hell up and everything and of course it, it's an east coast oh. guy i gotta love the east coast guy yeah. we gotta east coast has got to stick together yeah yep. Yep. it's uh it is it's, it's great to have you on i don't know if you heard about the new record that we released a month ago with pat travis and myself it's called the balls album and it's killer awesome it's a killer record Oh, don't you go don't, on the internet and find some of those songs? Yeah, don't is doesn't doesn't your label have something out with Rick Savage now, Carmine the wrestler? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, my label just did uh, um, "Born to Be Wild" with Rick Savage, the wrestler, doing a single and a video. Okay, nice. and we got Jim Crean, the singer from uh, uh, Drum Wars, coming out with his album that he's got a lot of people on, including me and my brother, hmm. and. Uh, and we got a new, uh, the, the, what's it called? The Last Stitches, I think. It's a like a punk band. Hmm. from A classic punk band from the 70s coming out as well. So I got like three or four different things Excellent. coming out. Cool. And then uh, Rocker, my records, Rocker Records, we're going to be executive producer for the King Cobra record, the live record. Nice. Nice. So, all right. We're all working it, you know. <laughs> you I'm, having do, man. I'm, I'm having a good fun, a good time. Awesome. Okay. Good. And uh, your good time provides us a good time. So uh, definitely keep doing oh. it, man. And uh, all right, man. Looking forward Thank to have you. you back on again. And uh, again, thanks right, for, for calling in. Have a good Memorial Day weekend, Carmine. And uh, okay, talk bro. to you again soon, man. Uh, all 
Always very cool to have Carmine come back on the show. And again, do yourself a favor. Go out and pick yourself up a copy of Stick It. You can get that on Amazon.com or pretty much anywhere else you can buy books. Keep an eye on Carmine's schedule and you may find out he's doing a book signing near you. Or you can head up to carmineapiece.net and there's links there to get your own copy of the book as well as find out all the other stuff that the very busy Carmine is doing. So up next is a pretty awesome band out of Houston. They are called Asriel's Bane. I was lucky enough to get the entire band on the show with me. As you will hear, we had a very fun interview. These guys were out of the scene for a while. They just got recently re-signed. A lot of interest in the band and I did this interview, as I mentioned to Richie, back in February. So at that point they just had a lot of brand new news. They we're heading in the studio doing a lot of different things. Interview reflects that. But in April, they did put out Modern Day Babylon, a good proper release of Modern Day Babylon. And if you want, you head up to asrielsbane.net. You could also order yourself up a copy of the Baniacs edition, which includes the uh, entire original CD from them, Wings of Innocence as well. So good stuff to get. I think you guys are going to really like this band. As I said, had a blast talking to them. Can't wait to see what they come out with next. But enough of the intro. Let us get into my talk with Asriel's Bane. Hi, Scott. Hey, how we doing, man? Good, man. It's Trey Gadler. Look at you, right on time, too, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I try. (laughs) And they say bad things about singers, man. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm not a drummer. I'm not that much on time. There you go. uh, I've got bass player and one of the guitar players with me. Awesome. The other other two guys are late, so I guess they're just out. Well, let me put. I'll tell you what. Let me let me put this on speaker so that cause you you can hear the other guys. Let's make me want to give everybody we're sitting around where sure. you can hear. So hang on a sec. All right, can you hear me? Absolutely. Everybody, talk. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up? How you doing, sir? Hey. We got uh, Jeff Clifton, guitar player, Brent Marches, bass player, with me. Awesome. Sounds like a plan here. So yeah, sometimes I have some really good interviews when I get the whole band together, and uh, so uh, I was kind of looking forward to doing this one. Now, hopefully, hopefully it'll be fun. I, yeah. You know, we were when Ben scheduled it. You know, the night when we had rehearsal, I thought, well, I've been trying to get these guys in on them anyway. I've done but do a bunch of these by myself. It's a lot more fun if I can spread it around a little bit. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a couple bands that now that every time I do it. That's how we do this is like during like a weekend rehearsal, they call me and I have everyone there. So it works out pretty cool. Different points of view. It's more fun. Well, it's also good that it's recorded so you can take out the crap that we screw up. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the crap I screw up. So, <laughs> Well, I'm not going there. I'm talking about us. Yeah, well, you know, hey, just confessions. <laughs> Yeah, occasionally there's, there's stuff that comes up in interviews. I had a classic one a while back with a, a very famous producer, and he said something in the interview that I was like, oh, shit, I, no, I can't put that on there because it's going to be a shitstorm if I do. So I just kind of like cut half of what he said out. It was like, yeah, that'll be better. Uh, so you've you got our back, man. Yeah, that's cool. So, hey, so never want to make a guest look you, bad, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. I'm guessing you're up north somewhere. I'm I'm just outside of Boston. Uh, okay. okay. I was I was thinking about the accent. It sounded a little, you know, East Coast, <laughs> little, little Bostonish. A little bit, yeah, yeah. It's the accent and and then talking really fast. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> we sound like yeah, next. Yeah, we're from Texas. We talk slow, really slow. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> We've become good friends with Rex Brown, so yeah, we're we're used to that, so no problem. Plus, I got to get you know, I got to get back in the rhythm of this because uh, I'm I'm talking to uh, to a friend of yours tomorrow, uh, John from uh, from Love and War. Oh, awesome! Oh, cool! Yeah, I share a rehearsal room with those guys. Do you? 
And then I, yeah, I you yeah. guys got a date with them coming up too, right in April? Uh, as far as I know, they're not on the bill. They are. That's news to me. But they're on the bill. They snuck on there. We didn't know. But which is not a bad thing. No, not at all. We've done, done shows with them before. Actually, we're in a. We have another band, uh, a side project that that uh, drummer from that John's band and John are in with me and Brent. So oh, okay. The Southern Rock thing. So yeah, we're all good friends. But yeah, I didn't know they were on the bill for that thing. Wow, they could have stuck on there. They, they <laughs> in. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, what does it got here? Uh, what did they do? Oh, maybe, maybe they, maybe just got an old poster up there. That must be what it is. So I'm looking that at your dates that coming might... up in April, and I look over to the to the other side of it, and then it's it's got you special guest Love and War. But I'm looking at it, going, wait a minute, it says that it's at the office, and I'm like, no, that's not yeah, where that, these yeah. other dates are. So, all right, yeah, that was the uh, that was the last show we played. Yeah, that was the last October. All right. No! Cool. Well, anyways, great to have you guys on. Uh, I know that I featured one of your tracks when I did uh, the uh, online metal promo that we did back in, in November with OMP. And, you know, you guys were one of the ones where I listened through and I was like, yeah, these guys really fit the fit the bill for, you know, kind of the stuff that our listeners look for. And definitely cool stuff. And, of course, I know you guys have got a lot of, a lot of stuff that's gone on in the last, like, but basically, I guess since October, you've had a lot of shit going on. So uh, let's go through some of that and let people know, uh, you know, what you guys have been up to and what we can expect. And and I know first off, you guys have got you guys going to re- uh, releasing or re-releasing your first two albums. Correct. They're were there. Uh, we signed a new deal back in, I guess it was October. October, mm-hmm. and uh, re-releasing the first two albums, it packaged together in one package with a bonus track. And that's coming out April eighth. Actually, nice. yeah, I think it's supposed to be both albums are included, you know, like a double, double CD package thing. But it's the price of one. We're kind of giving them a buy one get one free thing, just to, just, just to. The first album's been out there for quite a long time. The second one um, was never really, really, really released. We had some issues with our label uh, while we were right in the middle of it. We put it out on our own, but we didn't really do a whole lot to promote it. So it's, it's not a whole lot of people have heard it. So it's really kind of just the official release of that one, but we're packaging the uh, first one with it just, just because it, you know, is officially a re-release. So um, getting them both back out there. We also went to the studio and recorded a bonus track that would include on that as well. Cool. And, you know, and it's, it's kind of interesting because typically when you get a band from Texas, there's, you, you're like, I listen to love and war and go, yep, they're from Texas. There's just this thing, but but you guys don't have so much of that Texas thing going, which is really interesting to me. Because, like I said, everyone, other bands I've talked to from Texas, there's just like this, I don't know what it is. There's something about being in Texas that bubbles up through the music. But you guys have, I don't know if it's more of the, the proggy element that's in there and, and bumps some more of the Texas boogie out or what. But it's kind of interesting. I, I think it probably is what it is. is the more the more progressive and power metal kind of elements that we've got going on in our stuff that probably edges that out a little bit. Plus all the different influences that we all bring to the table. Yeah. When we put this thing together, you know, it started off, Jeff and I had a band uh, prior to this one that had been together for quite a few years, and that band fizzled out. We put together Adriel's Bane with Brent and uh, our our first drummer, Donnie, and we got together and started writing songs. And at the time, Jeff and Brent were both really into more proggy stuff, and uh, that really started coming out in the songwriting. And it was kind of a, I don't think it was a on-purpose thing. It just kind of turned into that much more of a progressive type band. But 
we got the drag tray here uh, <laughs> kicking and screaming into that element. Yeah. He was fighting us all along the way, didn't realizing <laughs> that he fit right in. <laughs> they, they were writing stuff, and I was going, how in the hell am I supposed to even find a melody over this? Are you out of your freaking mind? But, uh, yeah, it worked out, man. It's just, And now we've been doing it long enough now where I think we've just kind of develop something that's our own thing you know and that's just what we do it's uh even you know like watching the video for shine and and like one of the first things i noticed and i guess probably what really popped the proggy into my head is that just watching how brent was doing the bass was like wow man it's just it seemed like you were you must have some some john young influence in there just kind kind of the way you stand and play it just like before i even heard a note it was like all right this is going to be a little bit of proggy happening with the bass yeah i i kind of you know, I was I was into it probably before all of them. I listened to a lot of Dream Theater, a lot of Fate's Warning. You know, Maiden was my first one. You know, not that they were prog, but mm. that was, you know, my, my first influence to real metal. And then, you know, I had to go had to go searching for the other craziness and then come along to Symphony X and, you know, some of my older older influences was like Jocko Pastorius or mm-hmm. Stuart Ham even, you know, so yeah. I mean, it's it, it's just kind of been a lot of a, a lot of everything, you know. But I definitely like like playing a lot in everything we do. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brent Br- 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 is definitely the primary prog guy in this band. For sure. <laughs> we, we we write stuff that's you know the the really really bizarre stuff that comes up. You know, the weird time signature stuff and things like that. We call it Brentish. <laughs> it's a Brentish metal invasion because it's you know. He comes up with stuff that's impossible to count. Our drummers look at him like, "Are you out of your friggin' mind, dude? Really?" But yeah, it works. You know, yeah, it, it adds a very different element to things. Brent, you must have been familiar with that first original solo album that Jocko put out, and I can remember that when that came out, I was playing bass instead of guitar at that point, and and bringing some of that stuff into a band, and they're like, "Seriously, dude, like." What are you even freaking thinking? Like, what, what are we going to do with that? So I can kind of get where they're coming from when you start bringing that stuff in. Yeah, that's exactly the point. I mean, you know, having those kind of influences is just kind of is bizarre, you know, to a lot of actual metal people because, you know, a lot of them have never been exposed to it. Right. You know, I was, I, I originally started out, you know, playing blues. My dad taught me how to play blues, and I just went on a search for anything I could really get into, and I just went all kind of weird directions. So, you know, that's pretty much the story. You know, and Jocko was, he was right up there with him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the thing I dug on that one was that song, Portrait of Tracy. Just like, that like blew my freaking mind. And like trying to stick that kind of thing into a metal band was really screwing people up. Yeah. He was definitely out there. And that's what drew, that's what drew me a lot, a lot to it. So. Yeah. Yeah, but it's I think it's a cool mix altogether, the way that you guys get that whole sound together and stuff. And it's it's very hard to pin down like exactly what it is I'm hearing, because sometimes you get a band that, and you can just kind of go, oh, they sound just like this. And, you know, ever since hearing you guys, it's it's kind of cool. I can't put my finger on it. You kind of have your own unique take on what you're doing. We can't either. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think I think that just comes from all the. Uh, there's some really varied influences from the different members of this band. I mean, really varied. So, I mean, each guy comes from, a, you know, some really very different places, um, you know, influence wise. Anyway, and yeah. you throw all that into a blender and come up with what we got. You know, it's it's not like we're all influenced by the same people. So, 
Um, I think it's just a combination of the five, you know, different personalities and, and their different, words, you know, places that they might be coming from and throw it all together and just comes out sounding like us, you know? Yeah. So, you know, which kind of, I, I like that about us. I, I think yeah. that we, we have something that's a little bit unique, you know, so. What I think is cool is you can't really put a label on it and that, that says a lot. guys aren't getting any like negative feedback from the label at all i know that way back we had gotten signed to like this german label and initially they were like yeah they liked the fact that we were kind of all over the place because everyone would bring an influence and the songs would be different from a song to song but after a little while they were like can you guys just do like one thing and i would think that you guys are kind of the same way where people bring in different ideas and could have a, a really varied you know album of songs uh, yeah, our, our label's been very supportive, you know, in what we do. I mean, he, he understands that that, that that what we're doing is is something a little different, you know. And um, 
so we haven't caught any grief from him whatsoever. But we have run into some weird stuff over the years. We had a we had a, a tentative deal work out with a, a really big management company over in Germany that absolutely loved the band, but they couldn't stand me. So, <laughs> they, <laughs> so they, you know, they, that. they uh, you know, and it was a really good, this it was a big outfit probably could have taken the band to some pretty, pretty good places, you know, but I told the guys about it. I told them, you know, if it was me, I'd fire me, you know, but <laughs> they, they were all like, Oh, hell no. You know, you're the guy. So, which made me feel great. But, um, you know, we've caught some stuff like that over the years, but most of the people that we've actually have chosen to work with have really been very supportive. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good decision too. I mean, if you think back to it, right. I mean, when, uh, when Van Halen got signed, the, the, the label really wanted to fire David Lee Roth. So, and they stuck behind him and, uh, look where it took him. So, uh, you know, yeah, that's shit true. happens. We haven't quite reached those heights yet, man, but yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Working on it, but yeah. That's because you get, you have to do the assless chaps. If you don't do the assless chaps, you're doomed. That's what, you know, <laughs> I, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to see that on stage. I got to stand behind you. <laughs> <laughs> that smell, man, that smell. You know, man, uh, uh, when we first started this band in 2002, I might have been able to pull off assless chaps. I'm <laughs> a little older now. I don't know how I look anymore. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Please don't ever bring that up again. I'd probably, right. I'd probably look about like, like, Dave would look at assless chaps these days. <laughs> wow. All right. So, yeah, well, I know. Backwards. <laughs> Sorry. I know there's some visuals you can't unsee, and I just crossed the line. <laughs> I was about to say, I just got a visual, and I think I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, Chuck, Chuck just walked in. Chuck McFadden, guitar oh. player, just walked in. Nice. With us as well. How are we doing, Chuck? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? All right. What the hell? You were late, dude. What's going on? <laughs> Two minutes later. Hey, he's a musician. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give you that. Hey, I'm glad to be here. Nice to meet you, man. You too. So, yeah, obviously we're just, you know, sh- shooting the crap here and uh, making everybody miserable, so welcome to the fun. <laughs> Hell yeah. If you want ketchup, we were just discussing assless chaps. And... <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I want to even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got a quorum on that then. Cool. All right. So, of course, you know, one other thing is, is uh, obviously the, the word is out that you guys are recording a, a brand new album for release, what, next year? Yep. Yeah, that's the plan. We're writing it right now. Um, and you'd I probably be getting shit done if you weren't talking to some asshole from Boston right now, right? <laughs> well, you know, after we, get off, after we get off the phone here, that's the plan. We get right back to writing. So, but, um, but yeah, man, we're getting stuff done on that, on the writing front. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know when we're going to start actually recording, but we don't, it's just sometime in 2017, it'll be out. And I'm at this point, I would say it'll probably be late 2017, but yeah, but you know, right now we're, we literally just started working on it within the last couple of months. So, okay. It's kind of, you know, the very beginning process of writing and our stuff usually takes a little time to write. We're not one of those bands that can crank out one song or rehearsal, you know, our our shit takes a month or so just to get one done usually. So, yeah, you know, so every once in a while one comes out fast, but most of the time it takes a little, it's like pulling teeth, man. We got to argue with Brent telling him the shit's too Brentish. That's because I can only count the seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can't count the four, but he can count the seven. Just fine. <laughs> <laughs> once, once you put up mine, then we probably just lose you getting down pretty good, though. Oh, man. It's always the bass player that gets the shit, right? <laughs> Yeah, but I, I, I'm kind of getting used to it. 
not going to get as much shit as the drummer who just walked in the door. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on, man. The one guy who's always supposed to be on time is really late. So. Well, that's it's a drummer thing. <laughs> no, so I think that's pretty cool. You know, you guys are working on that now. I mean, after recording the other two, and and knowing where kind of we were in technology and shit at that point, do you feel that the gains we've made with being able to work on you know stuff at home and digital audio workstations and all that that really kind of help in your process with getting this new one together? Well, no, not because I mean the way other than I guess other than being able to do stuff like with really quick down and dirty recordings with like cell phones and email and stuff mm. that, that makes it a little easier, but, but we write primarily collectively. So, I mean, most of the time it's one guy will have a riff or something to get us started, but it usually ends up coming together with the five of us in a room, just, you know, bashing it together until mm. it comes out. So it's really, we're not one of those bands that can, that can, you know, write with each other, back and forth via email, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I, that's, that, that's a lot of the reason why, um, when our, uh, our old drummer moved out of state, um, we didn't do anything for years just because we weren't able to get everybody in one room together until we found Van. And, uh, um, so, you know, we just didn't, we, we didn't even try mm-hmm. just, just because it wasn't, uh, conducive to the way we write yeah no i totally get that i know that uh it was funny i was while i was waiting for you to call i was actually i noticed on skype that uh my old drummer yeah he actually lives in arizona now but i was like oh oh, shit he's online i'm texting him and and yeah for a long time after he moved to az i mean that was how we would write is like the two of us were the foundation without having a live drummer i'm like dead in the water i just can't write Uh, it's hard really hard we tried to do it initially with uh with rick I, we did some stuff back and forth via email and stuff, but it was, uh, it just didn't work. You know, yeah. it, it just, especially with Brent, the way that he does stuff, because he comes up with these really kooky, weird ideas just on the fly, you know, and it's like, it, and a lot of it's really great stuff, but it's usually something that comes up with spur of the moment. And it's like, we got to try this right now, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's usually while we're doing it with the drums, you know, oh, like, forget it. Yeah, that's, we're a little old school in that fashion to where we kind of want to, which is weird. We kind of want to be around each other, you know, and that, that's kind of how we keep the same sound a little bit, I think. Mm, okay. Yeah. I was just, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking maybe the fact that, you know, if I, I, with what I listen to with what you guys do, that I would imagine it was, it'd be pretty helpful to be able to record more, more like fully fleshed out demos so that when you start to work with a producer, you kind of got a lot of the pre-production done and you can be like, this is oh, what we want. Well, well, yeah, that's that stuff. Yeah. Once we get down to that part, but I mean, we haven't gotten there yet. So at this point we're, you know, we have uh, you know rehearsal room recordings, mm-hmm. you know, that we haven't done any real demos, just, you know, set up a mic in the room, just one mic, just to catch, you know, just to kind of really, really, really old school raw stuff. It kind of sounds like the way you used to do it back in the old days with a boom box. Yeah. Really hot recording. Yeah. But, so uh, it's going to actually write in the studio and waste, you know, pull up a coin phone. We don't do it like that. But yeah, but as far as doing pre-production, yeah, once we get to that point, we'll definitely be able to do that and take advantage of technology a lot more now than we used to. Like, we didn't really have that available. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was, a, it was out there, but it just wasn't like it is today. You know? Yeah. Back then it was, so everybody's got a studio in their basement these days. It really wasn't the case the last time we made a record. So, right, um, yeah. you know, but yeah, we'll definitely be able to do, take advantage of that because we haven't just haven't quite gotten that far down the line yet. 
Yeah, yeah. I just figured, you know, like I said, I listen to what you guys do, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, to be able to, like, lay a part down and then maybe go, hey, you know what, let's reamp that. Let's try a different amp sound and see how that blends together and stuff. And just to be able to, because, I mean, you know, back in the day doing it in the studio, it was, you know, it would cost you your left and right nut. But, you know, now you can kind of sit back and, and screw around with stuff and just kind of relax and see what you like and you don't. And it's really not costing you any more than time. And I think for you guys with more complex stuff that you do, that's got to be really helpful. Oh, yeah. I wish we had, you know, Rolling Stone budget where we could go in and, you know, just live in the studio and just mess around and have tape rolling the whole time. That would be amazing. But because sometimes you just that magic take where you do something, you can't figure out how you did it, you mm-hmm. know, and, and uh, we have those moments all the time in rehearsals while we're writing. And, yeah. And then, you know, we're back going, I have no idea how I did that, you know, but <laughs> what I did or yeah, or what I did. <laughs> yeah, what I did. Yeah. But, um, you know, unfortunately, we don't have that. Not, I, one of these days, we probably ought to set that up to do that. We could do that, but mm. but that would require, you know, one of us putting forth probably more effort than any of us are. Somebody have to go learn how to engineer. I'm pretty sure he just called us lazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, not lazy. Old school. Man. Oh, okay. Stick with that. Old school, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Old. Or just not as motivated. <laughs> there you go. I like that better. There you go. Motivationally challenged. Yeah. Hey, there you go. There you go. Yeah. That's a politically correct term. There we go. PC. PC. Yeah, I, I don't think after assless chaps, I'm worried about PC. So. <laughs> you know, man, I have to bring it up. Yeah, you're not helping me to get that image out of my brain at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like that. You know. No ideas in his mind. They they call that being thought provoking. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Nightmare provoking, maybe.
so obviously you guys are like really way early in in the whole process of really getting the album going. So it's kind of like you just oh, kind of yeah. threw this out as a tease of like, yeah, we're doing it, but it's like, yeah, but we just started. Well, yeah, it was you know basically what it was when we when we signed the deal, it was um, to re-release the first two and with really kind of an emphasis on the second one, Modern Day Babylon, because like I said, it really never has had a proper release before. So for most of the world, that'll be that's a new record. Most people never heard it, you know. So, um, so for all intents and purposes, that is a new record. So that's coming out in April, and then and we'll, we'll, you know we'll do some some shows and touring and stuff to uh, to promote that. But in the meantime, we're starting the process to write for the next one. So. Um, but yeah, we just started that. And when you guys do the re-release, are you guys going to try to do like any kind of bundling stuff with it at all to get people to want to actually get you know a physical copy of it and stuff? Yeah, that's the whole. Uh, that's why it's you know they're releasing it as uh, double the double mm-hmm. you know two for one and plus like I said you get we're put a, there's a bonus track on it that the only place it's going to be available is on a physical copy at least until somebody puts it out on a torrent site or something. But, yeah, but. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean that that that's that's the whole idea behind that. So that there'll be physical copies, you know, reason to want to get it instead of just going and finding something online. Yeah, so, but yeah, that's that's the that's the plan with that. So of course, I, I got to talk about guitars a little bit here, and in. I noticed in in a few of the videos and stuff that uh, I see some Jacksons happening there. What what are you guys been using uh, as far as uh, instruments now to drive your sound? Well, I'm still I got an Ibanez I'm using nowadays, and I'm looking to get something else, I'm, something in the future, something else, maybe another Jackson, possibly. Mm-hmm. That's Chuck, by the way. <clears throat> Excuse me, a little bit of horse tonight. Oh, Jim. Yeah, uh, I was using the ESP and that uh, still do. Yeah, and uh, also Schechter and uh, Jackson. Charvel, uh, whatever, whatever it takes. Right? Just <laughs> going to you know? Yeah, we're hoping to, we're hoping to maybe upgrade some more gear here soon. Yeah. Definitely. Nice. And Brent's the Brent's the playing diamonds these days or DBZs. I'm sorry. Yeah, DBZs. Uh-huh. I, I got kind of a semi little endorsement deal with them, and uh, I've got a couple of them, and I really love them. And it's just uh, you know kind of the kind of the thing. Same buildings as like model check it used to be, and uh, just rolling along with it. That company's kind of just simmering below the surface, you know. And uh, you know, I, I, at some point, it's probably going to pop. But uh, they actually make some pretty cool stuff. Yes, they do. Yeah, cool. Well, they um, they make amplifiers too, and, and we all use their amps. So um, I even use them my in in my uh, other band. So mm. um, so yeah, and they're local. So working with them's cool. Yeah, work with a local company. Yeah, every so often I get the you know I get the emails from them, and it always seems like they they come up with the sales like the same time that I've got no cash. I don't know how that works out. It's like I think they're deliberately fucking with me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that seems to be pretty yeah. much every week. I just spent my okay. whole check on my damn bills. I'll get back with you later. <laughs> No, that that's cool. I mean, that's cool. You guys are using some local guys too, so that's that's nice. You got a place you can go to, and uh, you're talking about the the Charvels. You using uh, older Charvels, newer Charvels? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the ones that we have are definitely not brand new Charvels, but uh, they're good ones. Yeah, the new the newer versions. You know, we we go back and forth. You know, we got a few here and there. We get, a, get out in the closet. <laughs> we like the 24 foot nights. You know, um, typical strap bodies. 
Yeah. Wood rows, nice pickups. Nice, nice. Active, active pickups, yep. mostly. Okay. They, they, they still like those pointy headstocks, man. Poke your eye out, guitars. Yeah. I kind of have a, you know, a thing with those as well. I, I One of my favorite ones still is this, uh, uh, an early 80s Chavel that, you know, single pickup one that I use for you know, so many years. I finally had to just go, I can't take this out anymore. I got to retire it. But I do. I love picking it up and playing it. Love the neck on it. So I do have a little bit of a, a you know, being partial to Charvels. But then again, I do love picking up my PRSs or my Les Pauls as well. So, yeah, there's always Please, something out Les there. Les Pauls, you can't go wrong with Les Pauls. Obviously, I've still got an old uh, Kramer Beretta. There you uh, go. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> got a custom paint job and everything on it. Wizard, uh, it's nice, yeah. Cool. I can't yeah. break that one out. I can see I that. The Marley Charvels were pretty cool. Those were the, you know, the, the good ones. Like Jake Lee was playing them. The guys at Rat were all playing those. Yeah. Even uh, Eddie Van Halen's early guitars were, I think he had that black and yellow strap on those Charvels. Yep, yep, yep. The old boogie bodies, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Those, I mean, for a while, they, they, they were definitely, you know, definitely ones to get. I mean, you can probably remember, you'd open up the guitar magazine and there'd be the Charvel ad and you'd have like 30 different like name players all standing there in the ad. It was like, holy shit. Oh, well, back, back in the day, I mean, everybody played shit. If it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Yeah. 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 It was definitely, it was funny. I had, I had uh, other guitarists in the band. He he was really set on uh, he had gotten he had an Ibanez Roadstar and he was going to get the Kramer he just wanted the Kramer uh, you know it's like yeah the Kramer the Kramer and he played my Charvel and he was like holy shit he must have gone through about four different Charvels and none of them had the same tone that my mine did I'm like I don't know what to tell you dude and uh, no, yeah. yeah well the tone's in your fingers anyway <laughs> yeah yeah well there's something that was darker about it. mine just sounded darker as well I just I just. Whatever it was, it just, it was, I don't know if it was the combination of the basswood and the Kayla run or what, but, uh, it you just got a guitar that I really, really wanted to be guitar. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you find that one that just sounds, I've got a couple of acoustics that are like that. They just sound amazing, yeah. you know, and, and, and you can pick up two guitars that were built the same day, right next to each other in the same factory, you know, and totally one of them will just sound so much better than the other one. It's just, Yep. You know, that's why you don't buy a guitar online. You know, you play it before you buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's definitely ones you get that are, you know, just... Well, it's just like it uh, the guitar player from Scorpions. He went through several of those Gibson Explorers till he found the one that was meant for him, you know. It just, you know, you need... You'll know when the right one is for you when you pick it up. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was. I've got a a '76 Explorer, and I picked that up like back when nobody wanted them, and it was yeah. just hanging there. I got it for like 250 bucks. The girl I was living with at the oh, time yeah, was like, "Yeah," and she was like, "You want it?" And I'm like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> and uh, every time I would bring that to rehearsal and play it, everybody would like be like, "That's the guitar! Holy shit, that thing sounds awesome!" And it, you know it, it was beat up and and uh, it's got a you know an, like an ancient Demarzio super distortion pickup yeah. on it and stuff. But man, the thing whenever I plug it in, people go, "Holy shit!" It's nice and worn in, and nice and broken over time. But there's an awful lot of wood in those things. A lot of you know a lot of room to resonate. So yeah, those things. Uh, I said he said wood. They just don't make them much easier. <laughs> those PRS is pretty nice. They just don't. Have point poke your eye out. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I'll stick them up before you hit. See these guys. All these guys like those pointy headstocks. All my guitars are 
strats. And well, we like the pointed ones. The pointed ones. So when we run across the stage and he gets in the way, he yeah. get out pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've got more than more than one scar on my face. Well, well, it'd, it'd, it'd be pretty soon for guys out of day coming up. He's playing like a Gibson ES335. Well, I'm the kind of music that he plays, you know, just doesn't look right. Oh, dude, that'd just be a whole, that, that, that's a new thing. <laughs> Here we go. Playing my home body guitar is trying to play. You should do like the Stray Cats kind of vibe. Trying to stand up bass. Well, he's just like, like 10 minutes. He's on 10 minutes. I'll play the stand up. I'll get me a cat gut. I'll play the stand up. He's playing the Gibson Berlin. Great guitar, but it just didn't look right. You know, well, that's again, that's because yeah, Ted had Ted had the loincloth and the little tail on, so people just didn't even oh, see yeah. that he was playing the Birdland. He's a Motor City Birdland. That's it. So, you know, obviously, you know, you guys have been doing this for a while and stuff, and uh, have any any classic like clusterfuck gig stories you like to share oh, with oh, the listeners? Ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, but we're not going to mention one of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just, we have a whole lot of them in ninety nine percent of them there's no way in hell I'm talking about them on the air. If the walls could talk you'd be uh, I think I think I think my my favorite moment and it's really not that bad of a thing but was we were playing a gig down in Mexico. Oh um, and uh Monterey Metal Fest. Yeah. But with the, it was the pre-party show the night before. We played the Cafe Iguana downtown Monterey, Mexico. And the uh, the stage is like eight feet off the ground, way way up in the air, and it's it's packed. And uh, we had to load in up a spiral staircase. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're playing the show, and I'm reaching down doing the high five thing with the, with the kids in the front, and some kid jumped up and grabbed hold of my hand and wouldn't let go. <laughs> and, and man, I was going. I mean, I was going. And I was going to see Virgil Krautsurfing. And there's, there's like three or four feet, or that big, I don't know, three feet probably between the between the stage and the barricade. So it wasn't, not, not like I was going to go crowdsurf, but I was going to go head first into the concrete, which would, would, would have been extremely painful. Might, might have kind of messed up that whole run. But yeah. Rick comes along right at the last second and grabbed me by the back of my hair and yanked me back on the stage. <laughs> Didn't miss a beat either. Yeah. We were in the middle of Diary of the Madman. I don't know how I didn't fuck it up, but I reached down and grabbed him all in one motion, him and the monitor, holding straight back up, and he we just went right back into it like nothing happened. Yeah, we've had, we've had our first <laughs> shared experiences. We all, you know, got to be a few the, you know, rock stars that have been on the scene for quite an age. We kind of little bit of reality check in some ways. People not always who they seem to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're not even going to that. None, none of that. Oh, I yeah. wasn't who I thought I was. No negatives. We, we've had no names mentioned, but there was a couple of people we like to. <laughs> yeah, we've had we've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of screw ups. We've learned from you know a lot of our mistakes. We, we've done. A, we've probably done some irreparable damage to all of our livers. <laughs> <laughs> we can definitely say this. We've uh, we've made our mark as where we've been. They only we are by now. We had a lot of fun with it, but there's been, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stories, but you know, those are the ones where you're just sitting around having a beer, talking about them. I don't know if you want to put those out on the air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I figured I'd ask, because you've got a band that's getting along as well as you guys. That means that you've had some, some good shit happen on the road and, and that's, uh, Oh, we've had some crazy shit happen. Yeah, but on you the know, road. it's all been fun. And, um, you know, we've changed, changed the moon of it. We've we had, we had a lot, a lot of fun on the road, you know, but, um, lots of fun, you know, and, uh, and yeah, we probably got 10,000 stories, man. Like, actually, I was, I don't even remember who it was, but we, we were somewhere on the road and I think it was when we were with, uh, might've been when we were out with, with, uh, 
Ronnie or something, and he was like, "Yeah, Azos Bay, man, those guys got some stories." Oh, well, that's you know, something to do about being a heavy metal band from Texas. People on American scene be done, you know, pretty wild bunch of guys, and I think we've lived up to that. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whenever we go on the road now, I carry a handicap sticker for my liver <laughs> <laughs> and a wheelbarrow. Yeah, drag along behind you right. or my nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, you can get a handicap sticker for your liver? Shit. <laughs> okay, you got me. I feel better now. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I, I, that's what I figured I'd ask is, is, I mean, definitely, like, people ask me about, like, oh, you know, what was it like and stuff? And I'm like, well, there's a reason I have three daughters, because this was God's punishment to me for all the fun I had in the 80s. Absolutely. <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, I have a seven-year-old daughter. <laughs> there you go. Yep. I know. I, I, I deserve all three of them. So, yeah. It was fun, though. I understand. I want to let you guys get back to work. And, uh, I want to, I want to hear this new album, but, uh, before I let you go, people, you know, listening to this and going, man, those guys sound like freaking fun. You know, where can we find out more about them? Best place online to get online and shoot the shit with you guys. Uh, well, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Facebook forward slash Azrael's Bane, or our home site is net. We maintain both, you know, both pages ourselves. So drop us a line, answer back personally, say hello. Oh. Come say hello, see what's going on with us, and uh, you see know, you on the love, love to hear from them. So awesome! And uh, when you guys get that new one out, Trey, you got my email address. Get a hold of me. I want to have your asses back on the show so we can promote the hell out of that puppy. Awesome, man! Definitely, we'll do that. Yeah, you nice to meet you, brother. You too, man. And thank you so much for having us. Hey, no problem, man. It's been a blast. All right, take it easy, brother. All right, have a good one. Despicable acts of terror. For all whose sense of safety and security has been threatened. Of bitterness and hatred and violence. Across the world we're hunting down the killers. For the children whose worlds have been shattered.
right, boys and girls, that is a wrap for another week of Focus on Metal. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed our talk with Carmine. Again, go out and buy the book, stick it, as well as um, be on the lookout for a brand new release from Asriel's Bane. So, uh, I don't know, any last comments? Yeah, what are you listening to these days? Right now in the car, uh, the new Holy Grail. Okay. I just finished with a whole week of listening to nothing but the new Flotsam and Jetsam. Okay. And uh, the next one to go in will probably be the new Death Angel. Nice. Yeah, the album I'm looking forward to getting is, and it just came out, The Jelly Jam. Uh-huh. Uh, Ty Tabor, Ty Tabor. Rod yeah. Morgenstein, and John Myung. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to get that. That I'm just looking at that Schenker DVD I have up there. Very good. Fantastic. Uh, Judas Priest DVD, Battle Cry. Yeah, fantastic. Very good. Well worth getting. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, tomorrow night we have uh, Primal Fear. We do. We're going to go see him. Yeah. Uh, you've never seen him, have you? They they never usually play around here. Yeah, I was I was on that straight away. Yeah, and then hopefully in, then we'll have like a storm a week from Sunday. We'll uh, go see them. Yeah, and then I'm if everything goes according to plan, I have Striper the week after, and yeah. then I've got Def Leppard. And that'll and, be a close gig. Striper will be a close gig. That'll be a quick. And then I've got Leopard hopefully, and and then that's on a Wednesday, and yeah. of course we have Lynch Mob on the Friday. Yeah. Uh, Oh yeah, Docking have reformed for some shows. Did you see that? They're playing shows in uh, Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of the same thing. I, uh, like, yeah, really. I love love the band, but I don't think Don can sing anymore. So. No, not as not the way he used to. No. But you know, we wish them all the best. They're going to make them money. You might as well do it now. Sure. So, yeah. That's a bit of a downer to end the show, isn't it? Yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so as usual, you know, all the usual things I say, uh, follow us at uh, focusonmetal.net, focusonmetal.blogspot.com. Uh, talk to Richie on Facebook. Hit me up on Twitter. And uh, otherwise, we'll uh, talk to you again next week. A few things in the fire, and uh, we'll see what shakes out of all of that. But uh, until then... Uh, have yourselves a good metal week, and until we talk to you again next week, remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant. Forged from the fires that created a long-lost brotherhood of podcasts comes the Blast Syndicate. We are made up of Focus on Metal, Inside Metal, Iron City Rocks, Mars Attacks, Metal Geeks, MSR Cast, Neckbreaker, Radioactive Metal, and Wiki Metal. We are the Blast Syndicate. Go to BlastSyndicate.com to find out more. Get blasted. You're still here? It's over. Go home.